We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, LightYears listeners? We're excited to invite you to the official LightYears slash Warriors World Draft Party, July 29th at Standard Deviant Brewery in San Francisco. Our first official show post-pandemic, food, drinks, real-time draft analysis, Q&As, special guests, free merch giveaways. And remember, your first drink is on us with a ticket purchase. We are excited and can't wait to see you there. Info to purchase tickets can be found on our social feeds and official LightYears link tree. And welcome to the Light Years Podcast. Ah, Andy Lou, just stir in the pot this weekend. Just, just stir in the pot. What? Sam, <laughs> Sam, Sam, Kevin Durant has never ever DM me. That guy is notorious for DMing pretty much anyone ever. Like from media, you know, like big time national media to like people with 10 followers Katie Relax. doesn't care you know he doesn't I, I, care he does whatever he wants that's why i like him so like, let's say, my guy yeah first off this is a pro <laughs> kevin durant podcast it's oh always God. been a pro kevin durant podcast yeah, but correct actually um i want to so let, let, let's give this a few minutes before i bring on anthony slater to discuss draft free agency and all the things you guys well no let's be real you're here for this but um, <laughs> <laughs> Me and Andy are more interested in free agency in the draft. Anyway, um, all right. So on Friday, right. you tweeted, someone asked you, dudes from the Bay, it'll be slightly better than the KD treatment in regards to Damian Lillard being a warrior. I think we both agree, unlikely, but like it, it's kind of a conversation point. So you respond with, the treatment is not from Warriors fans. It's from the media. KD's a different story. He just had it in his hand. Warriors fans had it out for him. Still to this day, shake my head. And KD replies to you, you made this up, fam, like out of thin air. So let's break this down real quick. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So the, t- the tweet to me was that um, Dane would have, the assumption of the tweet is that KD, KD was treated unfairly by Warriors fans. Okay, so I disagreed with that, right? Because I feel like, KD was unfairly treated by media and fans of Wait, not other fan bases and other, yeah, and correct. And other fan bases that obviously aren't Warriors fans. Uh, and everybody decided to kind of hunker down and say that was Warriors fans. Uh, to me, 
it always felt like KD when he was here wanted the same love that Steph Curry had, which I think is unfair because if you're Steph Curry and you're the Warriors fan base, of course you're going to love the guy, right? That brought you the title first. You're, you're going to love that guy more. I think so. It's unfair. Steph started, Steph started the whole thing. Like there's just, yes. I don't know what Steph could do <laughs> to be like, to get animosity from the warrior fan base. Like I, I, I say this as Ask someone who's, who's yeah. been a warrior fan uh, and follow this team for two decades before Steph got here. Well, okay. A decade and a half. Anyway, the point stands like I'm in my mid thirties. I've watched a lot of garbage warriors basketball before. Hey, you turned 36. <laughs> I've watched a lot of garbage basketball for Steph Curry. He's going to go down as the most important player in franchise history, as far as I'm concerned. By far. And so, you know, if you really believe that, that's true. But to me, well, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, but I'm just, I I just feel like people think that Warriors fans dislike KD. And and I think that's the part that I think it, it irks me because it's obviously not true. We've said, and then, and then I think people will say the stuff about Warriors fans where, look, the last season when KD was on this team was pretty miserable. Steve Kerr has said it. David West has said it. Andre Iguodala said it, right? Like it was Steve very Kerr hard. Steve Kerr yelled at friend of the show, Drew Schiller for literally yeah. retyping his words. And for yeah. some reason, people believe that like Drew misaggregated him, even though he didn't, but whatever. That's yeah, another friend discussion. of the show, Drew Schiller. So I feel, I just, I feel like people now love Kevin Durant because one, he's not on the Warriors. Right now, the, everything that that's KD the, does. That's the key point. Yeah. It's that he is, you're no longer rooting for the evil empire. You can like Kevin Durant now instead of like him being on the team that was unstoppable. Yeah. Whenever he troll tweets, which damn, hilarious stuff. Like whenever he tweets, it was, it's nowadays. Here's the thing. Nowadays, when KD tweets, it's, oh my God, he's so funny. He's the only player to ever do this. Remember when he would tweet when he was on the Warriors? It was, God, this guy's so sensitive. Can you believe this guy? Can you believe this right. guy would let this stuff like you remember the, that for I years? Mean, I do uh I do agree with KD in this regard. He acts the exact same, and depending on what color jersey he's wearing, the reaction is completely different. Yeah. Like well, when he was on yeah. the Warriors, he would uh he would troll people. Remember the cupcake hat? Yeah, and incredible and would be like, oh, insecure, corny, blah, blah, blah. And then uh, you know, he he does the same sort of like goofy trolling stuff now. And all of a sudden it's like, we love you. He's Thank just you. so open. That's right. I'm he's amazing. Now he's just, now the space stuff is funny. Okay. So to kind of wrap just kind of the whole exchange and I don't really, don't think it's a big deal. Katie does this all the time. It's just funny because it's me. I think people just love that part. Um, but I think that Katie has really never talked about why he left the Warriors. Ethan Strauss wrote a book on it, friend of the show. He's just never talked about why, and everybody guesses why. And so he gets all pissy when someone like me says, <laughs> you know, KD still thinks about the Warriors. He still talks about Steph. He still talks about these guys. He still talks about all these things, which is true. And then he'll tell me that I'm wrong, but then he'll not say why I'm wrong. It's not, it, it's not a, like KD can do whatever, KD can do whatever he wants, right? He can do whatever he wants. He doesn't, he doesn't exactly. owe anyone anything. But at the same time, then you can't tell me I'm wrong because you're also not telling anyone why you ever left the Warriors. So we're just sitting here guessing. So if you tell me I'm wrong, then sure, whatever. But he's also never come out and said, I left because I don't like Steve Kerr, right? We guessed that. 
I left because Warriors fans love Steph. He's never said that, but we could guess that. So it's all just all kind of just. I have Twitter, a I have a running stuff. list of reasons why I think Kevin Durant. <laughs> a running left. list. So yeah. let me ask you. Let, let me ask you this stuff first. Yeah. One. It was Grant Liffman's fault. Two. He hated. Um, James Michael McAdoo. Three. I don't know. I'm just going forward with it. Yeah. So l- let's bring this back to the whole thing. Were you actually upset? That he replied to you? No, I, th- I thought because here's the thing: I, KD wasn't mad at my tweet, right? He was probably sitting there. He was probably bored. He was he was, he was having some fun, man. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like KD, just that tweet. He was having fun. I I responded back. I said, "Hey, Steve Kerr t- took my phone." Right then, I stepped away because I knew it would be a shit show for like the next five hours, and it was a shit show. Shout out to Jack, by the way, who actually tweeted out this basis that uh that article was on. But I it's all it's all entertainment, man. It's all free entertainment. I think that's what the people want. On I, I hear you went to the driving range. I did. What was the farthest ball you hit? <laughs> I've been struggling. I have been struggling. Like if I go one people are listening seven to this. iron, I'm people, happy. People are listening to this, hoping for some sort of epiphany, and we're discussing your golf game. <laughs> 180 with a seven iron. I'm happy, guys. 180. That's all I want. No, but I think the um I think the other thing I think about too is how crazy is it that Warriors fans pretty much get talked about every other day on this app on Twitter? Like how insane is that? It's just, everyone brings up what Warriors fans should be doing or should yeah, be doing. Yeah, yeah. So we, we like, didn't really talk that, We right? didn't really talk about that. So there was the Twitter spaces. Neither you or I were talking in the spaces. <laughs> we're involved with the spaces. Um, shout out to Urkel and everyone who is in there because no matter what anyone says, if you're a normal fan, it's it's a little uncomfortable when like an NBA superstar is in the room and like just to be able to like communicate with them. It's not the easiest thing on earth. Sure. It's like it makes you a little uncomfortable. But like this whole internet thing where you're like, oh, I can't believe Warrior fans would ask him that. One, the people in that room do not speak for every Warrior fan. Two, start your own spaces. <clears throat> ask Kevin Durant your own questions. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't care. Like. If they want to debate double teams with KD, like personally, I would yeah. personally that's not what I would ask Kevin. But KD ain't come hasn't come on light years, even though we've invited him. You know, like open uh, invite, open open, invite. In, open invite, Kevin. You can come on here and make fun of Andy and me as much as you want, and I won't delete any of it. Well, if it gets personal, I might delete it. But um, <laughs> you know, like the point stands. What what are we doing? He, he decided to interact with some fans they're going to interact with them the way they want to. Yeah. And the thing is, we've talked about this all season long. Um, fans are fans. You got to let fans be fans. Now, if fans right. go over the line and be racist or personal, then you kick that shit. That shit has no, no, like is no, nowhere a part there's of this, no, right? There's no place for that in any sort of society. In any part, right? Don't look at these guys. Like you said, they want to talk about double teams. They want to troll by all means. Kevin Durant's in there. He's in there, and he could have just walked out. He could have left. He could have done whatever he want. Like, if Warriors fans want to get mad and say, uh, say you got to trade Steph Curry and just rebuild, all right, you know, that's what you feel. If you're a Warriors fan and you say you got to trade everyone to get Steph help, that's how you feel. I just don't think there's anything wrong with any of it. So, anyway, I just I think it's um, it's entertaining. I, do, I don't think I it'll mean, be the last of this, Sam. I don't think it'll I, be the last. I don't know what kind of relationship anyone has, but I do find it re- really entertaining that – uh, Katie's willing to like go back and forth with Urkel, who most people who follow on Twitter would say is like the most diehard, like, like Steph better fan. So yeah, yeah. I think it's entertaining. 
right. With, with that stuff, we're going to get to Anthony Slater, which is why you are here. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And we are back with special guest from The Athletic, Anthony Slater. Slater, how you doing, man? I'm very good. I'm watching a little first half uh, Spain, USA, which uh, according to your Twitter feeds, you guys are watching as well. So uh, it's, I mean, Pau Gasol, 41, he had a putback dunk in the first, that was my favorite play of the first He half, has the same white in his hair like Sam does. Like it's just, it's just, it's insane. And Luis Scola, I watched him play and he looks like how old is Scola now? Like probably the same 41. He's 41. Powell's 41. And Kevin Love, who I watched uh, in person the other day, looked 41. (laughs) Yeah. He might be 51. Future warrior, by the way. This is the difference between me and you guys. You guys are, you know, getting the pow nostalgia. I'm, this is the first time I've seen Usman Garuba play. I've already like talked myself into him being a five-time all-star in the Warriors pick based on three highlights I saw in this game. I, so. I assume one of those highlights was in that corner three where he looked like he no. was kind of shot putting it up there. No, no, that, that looked exactly like I was like, yep, yeah, next dream on green. That's exactly <laughs> who he is. It was rough. Uh, the shot was, I mean, he does have some defensive stuff to him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, He's not going to be the shooting help if that's if that's what you think the Warriors want. No. Um, so yeah, man, we we got the draft coming up, uh, and I always forget free agency starts like four days after the draft, yeah. so it's like it's really condensed. And then we finally get like a month of nothing, theoretically. Um, so I want to start with this. Your your draft coverage has been great. You noted recently that you think you're hearing the Warriors are highest on Davion Mitchell, Josh Giddy, and Moses Moody. Is, is that right? Yeah. Uh, if I had to guess what's today, let me look at the date quick. July 18th. Sure. I would guess they draft Moses Moody uh, as of this moment. Um, can obviously change. Uh, I'm, I mean, as we all know, uh, I, this is intel that I'm getting, but also like it's not like I'm sitting in these draft meetings and they're right. telling me everything sure. they're thinking. Um, but I know there are Moses Moody fans. They brought him in. They had like a private um, film session with him, which I thought was interesting. And not, not only, you know, he's, he's talking about breaking down film and how that was good to do with the front office. Then Jalen Johnson comes up, he's in the same draft workout. And I'm like, Jalen, did you do any, you know, uh, film stuff? He's like, Oh no, I wasn't part of that. (laughs) Uh, I was like, Oh, okay. You know, I don't know. It just, uh, trying to read tea leaves too but also you know talking behind the scenes uh i i know 
Moody among the wings. And if you watch, like Moody does look the readiest of the wings. Lower ceiling than some of the other guys we could talk about. We can get into them if you want. But um, I do see Moody as the most plug-and-play option on the wing. Even over over someone, yeah, we are going to get into him. I, you're, I was assuming you're going to do a bunch of the breakdowns. You did one for Davion Mitchell, and you'll be doing it for some of these guys in the next 10 days coming up. Um, I would assume Franz Wagner is right up there too. And if, if the Warriors are looking at wings specific, which I think is the right choice, and then and then wing specific guys that are ready to play, Wagner's probably right up there, right? So what is it about Moody that they like so much? Moody's got more offensive stuff than than Wagner, which is interesting. Like, you know, Wagner's brother's uh, Wagner, yeah. I should say, is uh, Mo, uh, who's like a stretch center that's yeah. super stiff defensively, like almost like kind of the opposite. You you turn on Franz, and he's like he's kind of like a super speed uh, wing who can kind of like I don't know if he'll be able to guard one through five, but maybe like you know some ones, some fives, and then two through four. Um, but I have you seen much of the offensive highlights or lowlights of him? I mean, Moody's got a lot more, you know, off the off the balance stuff. He's like, I'm not super high on Moody's like long. I don't think he's going to be like a 22 point per game. You know, that there's some like Jason Tatum, Chris Middleton, Chris Middleton. Yeah, I'm like, no, I don't the middle. The Middleton thing seems like uh, if everything breaks right, like in the one percent chance, like it's like when people see uh, any sort of small guard who can pull up off the bounce. They're like, oh, he's kind of like Steph Curry. It's like, I don't know about that. Yeah. Um, so I, to me, I see a little bit quicker, like Kyle Anderson. I just use Kyle Anderson because, you know, sure. I mean, he's, he's like the prototype, like slow motion wing. That's effective, effective still. Yeah. Um, Moody has that. And, you know, Kai Jones was up there talking the other day on the podium saying he's been working out with Moody and, um, it's like the pace Moody plays with, um, you know, it's kind of that it's almost D'Angelo Russell, like, um, but from the wing, which, you know, I know I'm not exciting anybody with that Wagner. I, he just he just can't do enough with the ball. To me, he's like kind of a defensive specialist at this point. You actually hear a lot of him to the Kings at nine buzz, like you know, because Sacramento really needs some defense in there, and that's that's the pairing that you hear the most. Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's the thing about this entire draft range, right? Like, I can talk myself into everyone in the seven to fifteen range. They're all intriguing. They all have like some question mark which is a reason they're not going higher uh but it's like it's very hard to figure out who just kind of the order of them right like i mean it, it seems like james book Knight's getting some love to maybe get into the top uh the top six but then again if he doesn't and the warriors don't take him he could potentially fall to like 12 or 13 too it's like it's a very weird range they got going on there right anyone now. that we say the warriors might get at seven really except for kaminga which we can get into that situation but anyone but kaminga at seven they could fall to 14 and right. you know i could say i think they're going to draft moody at seven and let's say they don't he could still theoretically be there at 14 same with mitchell and i mean you mentioned it right there everyone would feel a lot better about all of these prospects at 14 instead of seven. But the reality is you, you got to pick somebody at seven. <laughs> so the, the question is, do you go upside or do you like the Davion Mitchell stuff is probably, I think what makes Warriors fans the most, I don't know, opinionated, right? Because Davion Mitchell is, he seems like an off awesome, almost an awful, awesome basketball player. He looks like he could play actually. He looks like he could back up stuff next season, but, but you wrote about how he's six feet. And you wrote about how 
Like, where is the offensive upside? There's Two, no, three change, down there's the no change where in the six-foot aspect. Well, I there know that. Isn't. That I know. I think if, you know, the six-foot, usually you'd worry about that more defensively, right? I, I don't really. You know, they put him on uh, – I, I don't know if you've dug into some of that film that I put out there, but, like, you know, he's guarding Kate Cunningham and uh, two games this season. Like, Baylor's just putting him on him. Like, like he's supposed to be, like, the Kate Cunningham stopper. And, you know, Oklahoma State's trying to get him off because he's bothering Kate Cunningham's dribble. He's picking him up, you know, 80 feet from the hoop. I think you could play him next to Steph defensively. It's just about the belief in the offense. And when we talk about the belief in the offense, I think there's more off the dribble stuff than maybe he's been given credit for. I think he's super speedy. He's going he's gonna to be able to break people down off the dribble. If you just watch his off the dribble attacks compared to Jalen Suggs, who's a bigger guard, but you know, you're looking at similar film. Mitchell looks better off the dribble um, and he's craftier around the rim, but uh, it's a shot. Do you believe in the shot? Some people are very skeptical of the shot because it's 29% to 32% to suddenly 45%. Obviously the, the free throw indicator, right? I mean, 62% from the line. Um, if he is a 31% non-shooter in the league, then he certainly shouldn't be the pick of seven. Point, if point he, guard Draymond. Do you if he's thirty nine percent, he could be a really effective twenty five minute per uh, night player right away. And you know the argument for Mitchell and people within the Warriors who are intrigued by the idea of Mitchell is like bring him in. You're you're facing the Clippers next season. Hey, go bother Paul George for twenty right. minutes. And Draymond's like, yes, Chris hound him, Chris pick Paul, him up yeah. full court. And you know that to me. I think he would personally. I think he would help more than any other player that could get it. Does Stephen Draymond season. want him? Stephen Draymond seems like Draymond seems like he wants Davion. I, I mean, Draymond, Draymond seems to be indicating he most wants one of his teammates on Team USA, or sure. you know, <laughs> sure, sure, some type of help that way. Um, I think fair enough. You know, if he eat. could pick, I mean, Draymond wants the guy that's going to help Draymond yeah. Green before Draymond Green sure. ages out of his contract, and uh, I'm not sure. I mean, he had a quote the other day talking about, like, we don't know about any, if any of these guys can help till, till they come in. And I thought he had the indicator where it was like, uh, yeah, there's a lot of talent in this draft, but there's also a lot of talent around the league. So you could tell, like, you know, he, that's that's where his head's at. But I think day four of camp, he would be the most pumped to have Davion Mitchell, you know, out there. Like, you know, guarding. I'd love to see practice one, practice two, practice three, Davion Mitchell coming in trying to make an imprint. Like I got Steph today. Let me guard a little Steph Curry. Let me do some of that. Yeah. It's hard to see those guys not liking him. Just he's, he's such a competitor and he'll clearly be able to play in some capacity immediately in the NBA, which is useful. It's just a, it's a question of upside. Um, I want to talk about, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, I mean, you could do the thing where you go, you know, everyone figures you go upside at seven right. and then you go maybe, um, you know, someone safer at 14, Chris Duarte, 24 year old come Corey in. Kisper. Yeah. yeah Corey like Kisper. You could go the other way and you could go like, you know, if you feel like Mitchell's the sure thing, or if you feel like Moody, cause I do think the one thing I would say, and I think we'd all agree they need wing more than guard. Um, sure. but let's say you go Moody and you think he's, he's a safer prospect at seven. Then you take the swing at 14. Maybe you go, you know, I don't know. Jalen Johnson's still there. Zaire Williams. I mean, there's plenty of, upside swings to be made in the late lottery yeah definitely um if you were to ask me i actually think the thing the warriors need more than anything is a playmaker like they need someone who can create their own shot other than steph curry clay coming back off of back-to-back 
injuries. Like, I mean, he's, he's going to do his own thing, but he, he wasn't that player before the injury. Like he's not going to be that player after the injury. Um, and I'm just wondering if, if Davion Mitchell can be that guy or if they're better off looking at someone like book Knight or Josh Giddy to provide some secondary playmaking and maybe anchor a second unit with Jordan pool. Giddy is Giddy doesn't look at it like he's, he's so young to be out there. I mean, right. he, you know, whatever he's doing, I just, you know, I don't see him in a, in a big high leverage NBA moment next season, being able to survive, particularly defensively, particularly with his dribble. I mean, you watch some of the Australian highlights. I was texting with somebody in the organization, like, you know, I'm kind of down watching these Australian highlights, but I felt the same way last season watching LaMelo in the right. same league. I mean, not that he's a LaMelo type prospect, but you know, he does have that, that, that kind of natural feel book night. He's, I think book Knight's probably in that group. He's the most likely to be a, a 20 something per game score at some point in the league. Problem with book night is, you know, you bring him in, he needs shots. He needs touches. He needs, you know, pick and rolls next season. Maybe right. that's in Santa Cruz. And maybe if you're saying you're drafting at seven, okay, well, he's going to be the best scorer in this range four years from now. That's fine. 92 turnovers, like 63 assists, something like that last season. Right. Chucker. Um, that's got, you know, Jordan Poole's turned out to it's be not true. It's not traditionally a Steve's not player. A, Steve happy about that one. You think Steve <laughs> watching those turnovers? Well, and, I'm, and yeah, I know. Right. But not <laughs> only that, like they just, I mean, like Steph Curry can't have like James book night, you know, 20 minutes a game. Like, you know, co- go explore James, go turn it over. Right. Five times Steph, Steph's night, open you know. in the corner and he's James just going through three. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It could I mean, be James one and James two. Both of them exploring, taking oh, terrible man. shots. Could be that, great. That, that could be a fun second unit. I'm into that, but <laughs> in Santa um, Cruz. I mean, you already kind of have that with Jordan Poole, and yeah, yeah. But I don't know. I mean, like I don't. Again, if you do that, maybe you get somebody like Duarte at fourteen, and you go, you know, book now. You're going to spend a month in Santa Cruz, maybe with James Wiseman down there, doing exactly what you're talking about. And uh, I don't know. I mean, where are you guys at on him? Because I, I mean, he does. You turn on his film compared to the other guys we're talking about in this range, yes, and like there is just more offensive stuff to him by far than any of the other guys. To, to me, that's what it feels like. It's yeah. It, to me, it just feels like of these guys, like Giddy. I I just watched a bunch of Giddy, and I'm watching it, and I'm just like, man, the Warriors need guys. Like if they want another guy to be a passer and just a ball distributor and play smart, like great if that's it great but james book like does seem like a supercharged jordan pool and and maybe it does take him two three years to get there but i don't know i, 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 I do think like he has for that i do think he has one thing that no one on the warriors has which is like ability to actually put pressure on the rim um you know maybe maybe james wiseman comes around on that but it's like when you dig into the warriors last year and obviously they had a limited squad and stuff like the thing that always jumps out to me is like 20th in shots at the rim, 23rd at free throw rate. It's a lot of Steph save us. Like no one's getting to the rim. You know, Andrew Wiggins uh, turned into a very useful player for them, but he's never going to be the guy who figures out how to use his athleticism to actually get to the line and get to the rim a lot. And that's something they have to figure out. So it's like very easy to kind of get like enamored by Josh Booknight highlights, like athletic finishes at the rim and everything. But I, I can never tell how much of it's like me, like projecting what I want the Warriors to have versus like what he's actually capable of doing. Well, and what he would be doing next season, which is basically taking a 22 foot fadeaway. Well, right. like, like this yeah. is, we need this win tonight. Um, yeah. So to me, like Booknight or, you know, Kaminga who 
starting to really feel like might fall. Like we, book night might not even be there. We don't know what the Thunder is going to do uh, at six, but if if they don't want Kaminga, I mean, there's a very good chance he's sitting there. And so if it is him or book night, like, I mean, the problem I was talking about earlier, like I I agree with the idea of taking the biggest upside guy, but those type of dudes need they just need touches and and, and, and we we just what? went through this last year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I underestimated it last year. I was big, as you guys know, I was like draft James Wiseman because you can uh, make him JaVale McGee in the first couple of seasons and then he'll slowly become, you know, James Wiseman, whatever that is in year three. And I, one of the things I really underestimated is like James Wiseman wants to be, right. you know, Kevin Durant wants right. to be a superstar already. And so like, you know, I know I do blame them for blame the coaches for kind of, uh, you know, make, trying to have him do some of the bogut stuff and, and, and overcomplicating his role. But also, like, there was times where James Wiseman was just like, hey, I want a post touch. Come on, fall over here. Like, and, and the coaches can't control that their young center sitting there like, I want to take DeAndre Ayton off the dribble right now. <laughs> and then he would God. go and, right. and you know, he has to learn. Oh, damn. Okay. DeAndre Ayton's a little stronger than those, you know, Memphis right. high school you know, <laughs> players I used to go against. Um, and, I think that's the problem. Book night would come in and yeah, it's great to be like, right. hey, you know, book night three years from now, we'll let you explore some more, but we need you to be a spot up shooter and like a second side slasher because right. they need to win 10 of their first 13 games. He's gonna be like, no, I kind of want to do some of my stuff right now. And that's the problem with young guys. So you, you touched on the Wiseman thing. I actually wanted to talk with you about this. Um, there we go. What, what did you overall think of Wiseman's rookie year? Um, flash moments, obviously. I mean, what we all probably really thought of it, sure. but, um, you know, there, there was, remember like the first week it was like, did they hit a home run? Incredible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, he's incredible. pulling up, he's pulling up from three and like dunking putbacks. I'm like, Oh my God. Yeah. It, was it? I believe it was the first road trip. They didn't even play a home game yet. And he had that play in Detroit where somebody shot a floater and he like swatted it grabbed right. it out of the air right. went down the court euro stepped over plumly and like hammered one in and i mean it wasn't just us doing this you would talk to like draymond he'd be like i told y'all i told y'all this guy was a player <laughs> um so look if we if i showed the highlight package it would you'd think he's a future superstar I, the defense was worse than i thought um did the, the just the unreadiness and then you know maybe it was because of the way they pulled him in and out of the lineup and and the way they used him and also just some bad luck with covid obviously i thought he had a wrist sprain when he was getting some early momentum yep, and then yep. and then honestly his last like three or four games remember they like went pretty right. pick and roll heavy and it was like okay these last 19 like this could get interesting he was starting to play with jordan Poole a bit more and then the knee and then the and that's, wait, hold, let's talk about the coaching though because they added some guys that we think are pretty good. They at least look any way you slice it. They've identified player development as something they want to improve on. And they did not go cheap with the coaches. They, they did hired. not. <laughs> so that years opened up the paychecks, whatever they ended up paying Kenny Atkinson. <laughs> well, there's like, not tax on coaching. Hires. Right. Right. So, so um, I mean, I have two thoughts on that, which is like one, it just kind of sucks that he tore his yeah. meniscus because you could see this summer being, an opportunity to kind of like springboard into something more productive. And that's clearly not going to happen. Uh, but, but the second thing is what did you take from uh, kind of the coaching hires? Do you feel like they're going to go in a different direction with the way they're going to develop him or 
you know, is it just going to be more of the same, but they're hoping coaches with more experience will maybe do something better. Well, I actually sat down with Kerr in Vegas, like four days ago for, I'm going to release the interview at some point pretty soon, but it was about the staff changes. Um, mm-hmm. he, he said he felt like there was too much group think going on. I mean, the, the coaching staff got stale a bit apparently. So like, what was about three, four years ago, he was like walking across the Brooklyn bridge randomly and ran into Kenny Atkinson, um, walking across the bridge. And like, they sparked a conversation, got each other's numbers and have stayed in contact a bunch. He says Kenny Atkinson in the interview process was the most different from him of any of the coaches he interviewed. And he wanted that. He wanted just a different analytical mind in within the coaching staff. Um, and he, you know, and I asked him, you know, obviously, you know, we're talking development. I mentioned the idea of like, well, Atkinson, you know, developing, and he's like, Kenny Atkinson is not coming in just to like lead development. Sure. It's he will look at our core guys and look at different ways to use Draymond Green potentially, mm-hmm. different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously with, with Wiseman, um, Milojevic will be. Mm-hmm. Wiseman's coach and then I think I mean they're being pretty transparent about it like they just they want him in a smaller role to start next season for sure which by the way we don't know if he's gonna be ready yet they're or on the team yes that is (laughs) um, on the team but I mean it's they're gonna try to make him hey rim run maybe spot up for three occasionally dunker spot um no decision making yeah, focus on your defensive assignments. And there will be a tug of war there because, like, James Wiseman still thinks he's the future superstar. And, like, you know, James Wiseman, by the age of 24, might be correct in this. Um, so, but there are going to be moments where, you know, he catches the ball and it's like, I got to get to my package. Uh, and then he's looking over <laughs> at book night like, oh, you want to get in your package? No. <laughs> I, got, I got a question for you after all yeah. that. Did you ask Steve if he listened to the podcast? Because it sounds like everything he's talking about, we've also talked about this season. So I – on one hand, it's great. On the other hand, I think it's Steve is hilarious. He's he is the best because all these things you literally just said, Slater, it are things that let's just say we were concerned about for 12 months. So it is great to hear this. Well, then you might like the interview. Uh, I, I did not ask him if he listened to the podcast. Who knows? I, I did hear he's been off Twitter for uh, a while now. I Smart think it's something like 60 days. I wonder days if he's been something. in a good mood. That's, yeah, what, that, what that, part, that part is. Uh, he just looks like he has a you know more just positive happier. vibes going yeah, on. Yeah, just uh, happier. Another thing he said, which I'm, uh, I have a feeling you guys might like this. Uh, he's not <laughs> going to be very involved in the draft process this year because he's super focused on Team USA. He wasn't at any of the workouts recently. He'll be in hmm. Tokyo, and it'll be like 4 a.m. or something like that when the draft goes on. He will make his opinions felt, but I think this is much more of a front office uh, decision. Interesting. Coming Interesting. Let's get back to the draft stuff here. So. Um, we mentioned Kuminga earlier. Do you, you are uniquely situated to answer this question because you covered OKC Sam Presti for a long time. How much are you buying that they may drop him or sorry, they may pass on him versus how much is Sam Presti just excellent at playing smoke screens? Well, Presti like went and lived in the G League bubble for like the entire time, by the way, <laughs> because he was like, don't care what the Thunder are doing. Hopefully right. we lost tonight. Let me look at the NBA app. We lost. Yes. Um, and then he was in the G League bubble, you know, obviously scouting green coming and, you know, everyone else there. I mean, sure. Say it. But uh, they have more of a long term view. At what yeah, they I mean, I'm not I'm not like Sam Vecini or, or some of sure. these other guys that like is like really just like in draft world 365 right. and like talking to every scout, like what is the Kaminga intel? Um, but 
I mean, I, in the sense to me is like, he was very disappointing there. Um, and not just like, yeah, the efficiency numbers aren't good. I just, right. you know, group, like when you got to the bubble, it was Kaminga was here, Green was here, and it went like this. And, and I, I guess the listeners can't see. I'm, I'm, I'm tilting the seesaw, essentially. So I would have to know what Sam Presti's hearing about Kaminga and sure. what he experienced in the bubble around it a bunch. And, you know, I know Sam well, but he's he's not uh, just, you know, texting me all of his uh, Jonathan Kaminga takes. But I guess on a, on a broader level, because any way you slice it, um, Orlando has the five and the eight. OKC has the six and like five other picks, like 16, 16, 18. I do think what the actions they do um, will affect what happens with the Warriors pick because they control so much of the draft. And I'm just curious, like what, um, how, how he'll act in general. Like, you know, is it smoke screens all day or is it kind of like a more straightforward, like, just doesn't talk. He's going to take who he wants to take. It's more. It's more. Just doesn't really talk, particularly around this time of year. Like he'll talk, but it's uh, he's going to hold these cards close to his vest. I do believe the idea that they're high on Barnes, and sure. they probably thought we're there at six. Like, well, that's Scotty Barnes territory. But now it seems like that Scotty Barnes won't be there he's at for five. Yeah. It feels like he's jumped Kuminga well, for for if, most of these. Hold on, but if you're the Warriors and Kuminga's there at seven, because this is really this is the question. If he's right. there at seven. And Kamingo was the guy that I think, like you said, I watched game one of the bubble, which Kamingo looked fantastic. I mean, I mostly watched just got Jeremy Lin, but he looked fantastic in game one. You watch that guy and you're like, okay, cool. That's a top three pick. And that's a top three pick in this draft. Can the Warriors really pass on that? Especially if you're saying they're so, going to draft most. I think it doesn't have much upside. I think the first thing the Warriors do, and I shouldn't say the first, they shouldn't just be waiting for this on draft night, but like, you know, they should be calling around right now and being like, if Jonathan Kuminga is there, how does that change how you view the draft package? If you're saying Kuminga, Wiseman, and, you know, whoever, or what, you know, whatever trade opportunities are coming because the seventh pick, then, particularly if you're trading to a rebuilding team who's like, yeah, sure, Jonathan Kuminga, come in, take 20 shots, Wiseman you know, get yeah. to your stuff, James, yeah. um, then, you know, maybe you have a, a much higher valued trade package. So that should be the first thing. Um, second thing, you know, maybe, maybe you pick them. Um, maybe you pick them. Maybe you send them to Santa Cruz, you know, like I said, that you could do with book night at 14. If you're using seven and 14, that is maybe when if Mitchell's there, you get him. If, if Moody falls there, you get him. If, uh Duarte you know and I do know there are Duarte fans in the organization believing that like Chris Duarte comes in and helps next season 20 minutes um, a game immediately yeah. yeah yeah basically like if Chris Duarte, I have I've heard people say like if Chris Duarte was in the free agency market somebody would give him like eight million to just be Jesus. like a rotation wing um you know not that like eight million and then you're going to turn into a superstar I don't think nobody thinks that but um and then, money. let's say they have two of their 15 roster spots next season are Wiseman, Kaminga. That's two projects. I mean, that's not great, but the smiley each roster spot will be off the books. There are others you can shed if you get good free agents. Like, it's okay to have 14 and 15 be these absolute long-term projects. You just better make sure the other 13 are in safe shape. I think you got to – yeah, you got to get them. If you can't trade it, that's so much talent there. I mean, you're not getting that talent in Giddy. You're not getting that talent with some of these. Just athletically, although I guess that's why they fell in love with Wiseman, right? Just athletically. Just, just how can you turn that down? It's it does. It's not possible. Yeah, and, you know, it's not like 
any trade that's made for the current has to be done draft night. Like what if, what if you get Kaminga? What if he, you know, it's either in Santa Cruz or it's in, it's in mop up minutes or it's in second unit minutes that sometimes you're losing those minutes, but it's like, man, he's, he did something tonight. He had like 18 tonight. He had one of those hot nights and like, then you're going, you know, Washington, let's say it's, it's disastrous early next season would be like, Hey, look at what Kaminga's doing right now. Um, you know, so from a trade perspective, I think their best case is he falls to seven, but at the same time, that is really a pivot point for them of this whole idea of like win now, absolutely. Or, you know, kind of try to bridge to the future and, and play the asset game. Do you think it would be an issue with Steph, Draymond, uh, Clay, and less so Clay, but like those guys, if they just, you know, they take a player who is clearly high upside, but three years down the road. I mean, I think you'd you'd have to sell them on the plan, right. <laughs> um, involve them in the conversations, tell them Jonathan Kaminga might be on the roster and James Wiseman might be on the roster. But if Jonathan Kaminga is turning the ball over at an absurd rate and like taking a jumper every time he touches the ball, he won't be in the rotation. Right. Um, you know, it's it's a lot of it's going to and also depend on free agency, you know, free agency is two days later. And if you listen to these guys talk, I mean, Steph, Steph is not talking trades. Steph is talking about how he's going to try to make calls and hope to lure some free agents to the Bay area on mid-level on veteran minimum. If it's a Batum, like to me, that's where his mind seems to be targeting. Like if Michael Mulder's roster spot and, you know, Damian Lee's Steph is probably not saying, but you know, those roster spots suddenly shift to, to Batum, to Patty Mills, to whoever, um, that is where I think they believe they can sharpen a rotation while bringing clay back. And then, you know, Steph don't care if, if, if Kaminga's in Santa Cruz. Right. Right. Okay. So let me ask you this, forget the warriors, forget what you think they would do. You're Bob Myers. What would you great hair? Who would Dude, you same great hair? Oh Yeah. <laughs> Who would you want at number seven? So you, you you got you know you got the Warriors roster, you got Steph Curry, you got Clay off two injuries, you got Draymond hopefully figuring out his shot, but probably not. And um, you know you're Bob Myers. Who would you take? That's a good question. Um, is Kaminga available, or is, or is the first let's, six picks are chalk? Let's uh, okay. So you would take Kaminga if he falls. That's okay. what I'm hearing. But let, let's assume he doesn't fall. Let's assume the top six play the way we think they will. Man, um, I will say this, and this will not shock you. I feel like it because I know you've been reading me every time I watch Davion Mitchell. Like, I'm just like, uh, he's making play again. Oh, they're playing Arkansas. Oh, he's completely outplaying Moses Moody right now. Oh, they're playing Oklahoma State. He's the best player on the floor right now. You know what? I know they're different type of players and clearly different size, but why? Why did the fan base fall in love with JTA last season? He just did shit. He's just out right, there right. doing yeah. shit. Davion Mitchell does shit like he just gets out there. He's stripping people. He's getting in the lanes like, you know, he's next to Jared Butler, who uh, is considered maybe, you know, a fringe lottery pick, particularly now that he's been medically cleared to play. And I think Butler might have won, I think, like most outstanding player of the final four or whatever. But you watch the games like Mitchell's the player you're watching. Like he's the one just doing stuff. Um, and I'm thinking purely on a next season basis, just cause like, you know, whatever. I'm just like thinking about how next season team is constructed. I think he, I truly think he would help the most. I might be wrong. 
I was wrong about Wiseman. I thought Lamelo was was if Lamelo ever became something. I thought that was a three also years down too. the line. Well, we all we also we're all too. we're all eating yeah. on Lamelo. That yeah. that's that's for sure. I, but yes. I, I think one thing you say about Davion is that you watch Drew Holiday. Very very easy to make fun of because he is missing a lot of shots right outside of Game Five. But he has turned the series guarding Chris Paul. Um, he's made his he life has, hell. Yeah. yeah, he has absolutely turned the series. Chris Paul, even though he's shooting well, he's not affecting the series right now. Um, you're going to have to guard uh, Damian Lillard, right, in the Western Conference. Like, there are going to be guards, Jamal Murray when he's healthy, all over the Western, like you said, Paul George. I know Sam's not a Davion guy, but I am slowly, slowly. He seems I like in Draymond in point guard form is, is what he really does. And, and like you are saying, if he does shoot 37%, then we're talking, we're in business. Yeah, and, you know, he's probably the guy, I think... The funny thing about him is like if he fell to 14 and you got him at 14, that would feel so Great. much better for, for the Warriors yeah. for like, you know, he would probably come in a little bit chip on the shoulder, right? Like, really? I dropped a 14 plus if he is low ceiling, you know, if he doesn't really pop at particularly as a scorer or a shooter, you're like, all right, you know, it's 14th pick. He's a helpful defender like Patrick Beverly at 14. And I think he has much higher upside than Beverly, but that at 14 is okay. That at seven, you know, you're kind of doing that, but I don't know. I mean, the one thing I do think they need a wing. Um, so that's, do you think that they could play Mitchell and, and Steph together, Mitchell and pool together a bunch? Cause like, if you're really just bringing him in, he's playing 12 minutes next season. You don't like that. I think he could probably play more, but I don't know. You guys have watched some film. Well, well if they're going to, I think you can play Davion next to Steph because, um, I mean, you're just watching the finals right now. Like, it's not like everyone has a huge backcourt. You can get away with uh, a shorter guard, particularly if they're an aggressive point of attack defender. The real question becomes, if you put a sh- smaller guard next to Steph, who's playing in the front court? Because, like, a big issue the Warriors had was rebounding, and a lot of that yeah. comes down to the fact that Andrew Wiggins is – I mean, some games he uses athleticism say, to get eight rebounds. Some games he's soft as hell, too. Yeah. <laughs> I was <laughs> muted. I kept myself muted. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, like, I mean, Wiggins, not a rebounder. Clay, also not really a rebounder. Clay's always like leaking out in general. Clay's just looking for the transition three, assuming we see him. They next year. will be, a, they are going to be a terrible rebounding team next season, probably regardless. But yeah, if, if Mitchell is coming in and getting 20 minutes, they're going to get. Pretty much, I mean, Draymond Green is going to have a load down there. I mean, Wiseman <laughs> at this point is not a good rebounder. I mean, he'll no, fall into he's, ten. He's, yeah, he's he's bad considering the physical gifts he has, but it's yeah. better than some of the options they have. Looney, um, a lot of pressure on Looney. Oh, yeah, boy, I can't. I like he was already playing minutes. So I was petrified. Let's talk about let's talk about enough trade stuff. Are we done with trade stuff, Sam? I don't. Do we need to talk about more Dorte? I want to talk about. Excuse me, enough draft stuff. I want to talk about some trades because there's no way they, <laughs> there's like, no, geez, we hadn't talked much trade, but. no way they use both picks, right? So they're like, if I no, would, I like, think, it's I, I would say, I would guess at this moment, likely they do. Wow. Yeah. Because you see all these, like, Colin Sexton report came out today. I don't know what to believe about that one, but you got all these I'll warriors. Name, I'll put my name on the fact the Warriors are not trading for Colin. No, Sexton. no Sexton, not even for 14. So, you know, I just, it to me, it, it feels like, one of these picks have got to go, but I, I guess maybe there's just nobody there. Like who, who's there for fifth, 14? Cause let's Sexton go. is someone you'd have to pay, right? That's probably why they wouldn't do it. So. Let's go. Let's go broader. You mentioned how Steph is more interested in free agency. Um, I get that. 
who do you think they're eyeing? Because this yeah. is kind of a thin free agency class in general. Everyone who mattered signed a long-term extension during the pandemic shutdown. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, it's the it's the name we've already mentioned. Batum, they've mentioned Batum. I mean, you you, the Clippers have an unsettled situation now. Kawhi has this, you know, they're done. Batum, torn. Batum is uh, just such a Warriors player. Oh, uh, Steve Kerr, fan of Batum. <laughs> Uh, trust me. Like the um, stuff I've heard per sources. <laughs> and you know what? Batum had a really good season. Batum, he did, he's yeah. excellent. He's, yeah. he's, he's a perfect role player for the To Warriors. the point you might have to give him the mid-level, uh, which, you know, last, yeah, last year he, they, they were very close on him last summer for the minimum. And, you know, the Clippers got him for the minimum. I believe that's partially because they knew about, I mean, Clay had already torn his Achilles. Yeah. I was, I was going to say, I, I, I firmly believe if Clay doesn't tear his ACL, they probably saw in Batum or on the on the Warriors last season. Like Bradley, yeah, yeah. So it is. yeah, right. Oh yeah. no, he's that still looks like it hurts. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, I think they're uh, you know though. I need to look more at the free agency class. I've been like kind of draft heavy and Phoenix Suns heavy. I've been like covering the NBA Finals, That's right? Um, but you know, what's Patty Mills gonna get? Probably right. too much. Rudy Gay. Um, What's Rudy Gay going to get? Yeah, yeah, probably too much. But those are the type of guys that when when I hear Steph talking, I he I think he very likely already has been, but will also be calling around trying to get somebody to take the bargain deal um, to get, you know, if if let's say they do draft a wing, try to get a Patty Mills to come in, try to get a Rudy Gay um, to, to come in under. Uh, Shout out Otto, out Otto Porter Jr. Yeah. <laughs> ah, I don't. You know, Bob mentioned something interesting in his exit interview. He when he was talking about guys they're looking for. He within his criteria mentioned playoff experience, like guys who've done it in the playoffs and, and proven that. Because I do think that's Reza. There we go. <laughs> he 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 kind of looked a little washed up, but you know, Batum did two seasons ago, and then suddenly he wasn't. How? What would you guys think about Iguodala? Oh. I mean that's. I mean that's, the fan the fan base would love it, and they're just going to deny aging's happening. Hey, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. See, I'm a Giants <laughs> fan, so I love this type of stuff. Look, he, what is he going to do? Like, you're are you going to play him 20 minutes a game? He's probably not going to play more than. Look, he's a he's a player coach. Okay, he's Udonis Haslam at this point, but maybe he can close out some games. The maybe he'll better close than, out some games. Hopefully, better than UD. <laughs> the other interesting case is uh, Baysmore. You know, Bazemore wants like a multi-year deal. Bazemore feels like he played himself. He shot like forty percent from three. Did play, had well. This Did play well. Weird season, but I assume Warriors would want him back on the minimum. But he's going to go searching for something else, and he'd be he'd be kind of a loss if he leaves. I feel like they have to use the mid-level on someone who gives them more than Bazemore at this point because they should be able to find the next Bazemore. If he walks like someone else who's kind of vet who's bounced around in weird situations for cheap. The real thing, the real thing I feel like that hurt the Warriors last year is using their mid-level on Wanamaker, right? You know, like, oh, yeah, yeah. just wait, just waste a wasted like that's your one uh, opportunity to add someone with a little more upside. Yeah. That whole situation was mishandled. I mean, I didn't mind the Wanamaker. signing but they they played him in purely non-steph minutes and then later right. we're talking about how 
he succeeded in Boston because he was able to play next to Tatum and Brown. And like, yeah, he was a point guard, but he wasn't like a, Hey, go like create right, right. point guard. And I was like, well, you knew that. Why is he, you know? And then suddenly it was like, you know, particularly Jordan Poole's exploding in the bubble and I'm sitting there watching Wanamaker on an everyday basis. I'm like, this is who should be running the non Steph Curry minutes right now. And if you want Wanamaker as like a defensive as basically like, you know, poor man, Davion Mitchell next to Steph at times could have been that, but um anyway that's that was a miss last season <laughs> to, sure. to be fair you may have been wrong on Wiseman year one but you were right on Jordan Poole from the from the beginning uh with how how fantastic he was down the stretch he he has changed their roster construction in the next season I mean like you're going in the next season being like well he's he's 25 minutes God, and you feel pretty good about it. particularly it wasn't just that hey he came back from the bubble and he had some nice scoring nights like he was big in high pressure moments closing play in game against the Lakers. He's trying to dunk on LeBron. He's like, remember the, I mean, even the Memphis game that they lose, they only make it to overtime. It was like Jordan Poole made like four plays down the stretch. And it was like, by the time you're the playing game, you're like, why is Michael Mulder getting any minutes over Jordan Poole right now? Um, and that's, he's got high up. I think he has, like he raised his ceiling even to me. And I, like you said, I was kind of high on him. Um, in the last 10 games or so, I'm like, this could be going somewhere that people don't realize right now. He actually makes the case for them wanting another big wing more than anything because it's like, all right, if you're going to have him out there with staff, with Clay, you want someone next to Draymond who can get some rebounds and kind of bring some physicality because they're not going to do that. So, yeah, why do you want Book Knight? Like, why, like, do you need Book Knight, even if he has high upside, if you have a guy that could be You need, you need Book Knight if he's the best player, but yes. Yeah, I agree, but I would just I would assume Moses Moody is kind of the pick because he does seem like the perfect fit. I mean, we're getting back on this, but he does seem like the perfect fit. Just that's where I think it's going. Like they're uh, just gonna go with the guy that can shoot. It can theoretically defend four three positions, right? And yeah, and the then you know you wait till fourteen, and and maybe one of the other guys you love is sitting there at fourteen. And then the other thing is that we talk about free agency and who they might try to like use on the mid level. They'll know who they've drafted or you know traded at that point, right? But, They'll have a better idea on, on where the holes are. But if if they did go Mitchell, then you really better know you're getting a wing in free agency, like a wing that can play a bunch. Yeah. Steph's got to figure out that figure that out right now. <laughs> All right. So just watching draft guys, I doubt it. God doubt it. No way. No, although he was, you know, he's around. He was uh he was in the facility the day that they brought in Mitchell, Moody, Jones, and and Johnson. So he's around, Clay's around, pretty much everyone but Steve and Draymond are around because they're uh team USA. Team USA. Ironically, the two most involved in previous drafts are gone, right? Oh, this is I gonna do... be a great draft. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I do great think draft. Draymond's uh involvement in the Jacob Evans uh pick has has risen above its you know, actually that, that's what I that's what I said on the last spot. I was just like uh no one wanted to own that pick. So it's very easy to just pass the buck. It's like, oh, you know, Draymond was involved. I don't think so. Draymond was banging the table. Get <laughs> me, Evan. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you you mentioned pass the buck. I remember this is one of Bob Myers probably worst press moments of the last few years. Um he this was like I think he had like a pre-draft availability um right before the next draft. Right. And, you know, we're like kind of questioning like which way they might go. And he's like, you know, nobody gets. And Jacob Evans is on the roster still at this point. <laughs> he's about to enter year two. And he's like, you know, we don't all get him right. I mean, I thought Jacob Evans was going to help us. And it was like, uh, like, should you be saying that about a, a guy heading into year two, like trying to get a little confidence? Not a great moment for Bob. 
That was wild. That was I mean to be fair, I was saying the same thing about Jordan Poole. And look You're at also look not how, the, the the GM though, you know. And, and I'm not six, six eight and uh <laughs> who, okay, actually you know what? Last one, last one, Sam, last one, last one. Because I, I am fascinated by this. Who, who's making this pick? Obviously, they're gonna be their group think, you know, guys, blah blah blah. They, you know, okay. I think but who Andy, is making the pick? Andy's question is what I think fans are wondering, how involved is Joe Lacob in making the pick? <laughs> oh, he, Dude. Joe's involved. Joe's involved for sure. Um, you know, but so there's Mike names Dunleavy. that aren't even thrown out there that often are that are involved. Mike Dunleavy, uh, a bunch of the scouts. Larry Harris is a very like he he's really in uh Larry in Harris scouting. who drafted Andrew Bogut because he wore a suit. My guy. There you go. Uh, <laughs> Sean Livingston, I know, is this is one of Sean Livingston's early, okay. you know, uh, okay. maybe that excites some fans. Um, he, he's within this process. Like there are a lot of voices there, both Lacobs um, and Joe. I mean, one thing I would say, I think Joe's definitely uh, part of the contingent that's like wanting to keep the pick somewhat. I mean, look, look, if they, if, if, if there's a trade on the table, that's like, Oh, that's a home run. Like he's not going right. to say no to that, but I think Joe's into this draft. Um, but I do think, Bob, I think at the end of the day, like Bob will, Bob will probably be the most influential voice. Nice. Well, there you go. I think it's always hard for fans to tell how much of uh, Lacob's bravado is um, just who he is, like the way he talks about everything, like the way he might order steak at dinner, and how much of it is like actually his fingerprints are in every decision at all times. So it's. What's in and like every owner's different. I mean, sure. I covered Clay Bennett in Oklahoma City. He hasn't done a media interview ever. I, <laughs> I covered him for however many years. He didn't talk to anyone. Shout out, shout out John Fisher with the A's. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. So I think he's, I mean, as much as maybe fans might be a little down on Joe's last couple years, he's the type of owner you want. You know, he, yeah. he, he spent what? a bunch, even if he's, even if he's I, cutting I, edges just, lately. Just to be clear, I don't think fans are down on him at all. It's just like it's it, when everything is like going perfect, yeah. when you have like Kevin Durant and like the, the superstar team, it doesn't matter. But like when you're kind of sitting with this team, it's it's hard to you, you just wonder who's making the decisions because there's always like so many voices with the Warriors. That's that's really what it was getting at. No question. Uh, I mean, you're seeing that Dallas, I think, is going yeah, through it exactly. even more in the last decade. I mean, that really blew up. Um, I, and I I'd think st I'd still take Mark Cuban over like 20 owners in the NBA, just to like, no matter what bad decisions, having an owner who cares and spends puts you like in the top half of the week, no matter what. So, Hey, Robert Sarver. Oh, I was about to yeah. say Robert Sarver is <laughs> about to win an NBA title. I forgot what has actually happened in the city. Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. Just great. Great. Just Warriors fans are happy. So hopefully, hopefully the, uh, I, I, yeah, well, that's a that's another hour long podcast. Yeah. I don't know that Warrior fans could stomach Chris Paul lifting him. Giannis, then, well, yeah, he made the right choice. He turned down Steph's phone calls. Hopefully, Steph has better luck this season. Uh, with that, guys. So. <laughs> Thank you, Slater, for coming on. Appreciate it, man. Slater, appreciate you. Have a great night.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.